0: Gareth Abdenor, you know him well now, he's a lawyer and employment law expert, he joins us every fortnight taking your calls and questions, so phones are open, Tyler's standing by, if you've got a question or a concern about your contract, your place of work, uh, now's your opportunity to give Gareth a quick buzz, 0800 80 1080. very good afternoon to you Gareth, how are you?
1: Goodbye, Gareth. Oh I'm very good and very happy to be here.
0: Good, it is really nice to have you with us. James, you're going to start with the first question. All I right,
2: think. yeah, we've got a text here says, Hello, Gareth, I work for a big company, we won't say who it is, and have been on ACC for a couple of months after surgery. Now I'm slowly getting back to work. My manager has been trying to push me back into a job that my medical condition doesn't allow. And when I said no, she said, I'm faking the pain and is going to report me. What can I do about this?
1: Wow, that's uh, that's not a good situation mm. where... You're being accused of faking the pain, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, often these return to work uh, arrangements are fraught. There's there's a tension between uh, the manager, often wants the worker to go back to their previous job. Uh, ACC wants the worker off ACC, uh, and uh, obviously the worker wants to get well and uh, keep getting paid. Uh, the best thing is to look at the return to work plan. There should be a return to work plan. That should have been agreed between the employer and the people treating this um, this worker. If there isn't a return to work plan, then uh, they should be talking to the ACC uh, caseworker.
2: Does the worker themselves or the injured person uh, do they have to agree to it as well, or is it just the the uh, the workers? You know, the advocate. Um,
1: yeah, it's it's generally a case where the worker has input into it, right? Uh, but. You know it should be based on medical advice and the medical advisor whether it's an occupational therapist or doctor will say what the person is able to do and what they can't do right. now you know sometimes sometimes ACC wants to get people back into work and and people can't actually do the job and the company can't provide um you know light duties and to use the old phrase mm. uh, so there is a bit of tension here but um Certainly, people shouldn't be doing something that they're medically not able to do.
0: Okay. that Would that be uncommon You know, in 2023, Gareth? You know, big company. This is a seriously large company. This is one of New Zealand's biggest companies and most well-known and respected. Again, we're not going to mention the name just here, but that would be unusual that a manager would say you're faking it or anybody would sort of make those accusations, wouldn't it? Or is it reasonably commonplace?
1: Well, I I guess it depends on humans. <laughs> that's what <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, humans often express frustration in in mm. ways that perhaps aren't constructive. Mm. Uh, mm. So if the manager did actually say that, um, it would be interesting to know more about the context. Uh, but it may just be that you know this this manager is expected to get a certain amount of work done by their team, and mm. they've got someone that can't do the job because you know whether mm. it's genuine or not. Uh, so, there are some quite tricky situations. Can
2: they retu- uh, review the return to work plan? Yes, they yes, do do they that. they definitely okay, do. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. Hi, Gareth. What criteria are generally used when deciding on salary pay grades or qualification? Is it qualification, scope of work, or what criteria do employees generally consider? I ask because my peer team manager's pay grade were promoted and I was not, despite my role requiring a higher qualification and having a broader scope.
1: Oh, this is a fantastic question. <laughs> mm, I love is. this one. The N word. Oh well, well, people often say, "Well, I deserve a pay rise." Yeah. Um, well, I don't think that's a very convincing argument. It's how much are you contributing to to the business, and and can you justify a pay increase or not? Now, I'm generally not a huge fan of having pay grades because it it treats people um, like they're the same and. Like the sheep and yeah. they've been drafted, and, and yeah. you know, often often people are quite different, and their contributions mm. are quite different. Mm. Um, and it may be that this person's role does need higher qualifications, but they contribute less to the bottom line, and are perhaps that role is more expendable. Uh, so sometimes it's just the vibe.
2: Hey, that's why yeah. I use the N word, being negotiation.
1: Oh, totally. Hey, it's totally. all about that. Yeah, yeah. it is. You know, can, can you justify it?
2: Uh, Tester says, hi Gareth, I've got a staff member and I'm concerned about their health status. They said that that status meant they shouldn't be and couldn't be doing the job. They're saying that I can't ask for their health status unless their performance suggests it. I've asked for ages for this information and I've been paying them full pay while off work. The question is, does someone have to do their job poorly before medical clearance can be asked
1: for? Gosh this is another fantastic one. Um, You could certainly see why the employee might argue that but no I don't believe that's correct. Mm. Uh, As long as you have reasonable grounds to ask for information um, you can and in fact I think there's a good argument that you should be asking for that information. Um, You know there's Health and safety obligations under the Health and Safety Act. Uh, if if you think someone's safety's at risk or their health's at risk, uh, you should be asking for more information. And ultimately, that duty of good faith that applies to both sides of the relationship, um, you know, that, that trumps just about everything. So mm-hmm. I think in this case, you know, so often with these questions, we hear about employers doing the wrong thing sounds like the employer's doing the right thing here yeah mm-hmm.
2: yeah
0: okay good Very luck good. hey just a quick uh, cricket update before we go to the next caller uh, England uh, I mean this is what a test match this is yeah. England are right on the verge of, a, of crushing Clubs. the black caps hopes oh. because it looked pretty good for, no it looked like it was really good for the black caps but this is you know the final day second cricket test at the Basin reserve and moments ago England were 248 for 8 and they require 258 for victory so basically 10 sure. runs is what they need two wickets in hand it's tight. A quarter to four on the line with us, John. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, hey, Simon. How are you? Doing great. Thank you, John. Gareth standing by.
3: Thanks, Gareth. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I've got a friend who um, is looking at leaving her employer at the moment. Um, she's been working there for about five years. But uh, on looking at her situation, it appears that she be, hasn't been paid her holiday pays over the last five years um, with them importing her commissions. All they've done is paid her a holiday pay based on the retainer, which, I mean, it's a sizable retainer, but her commissions are much higher.
1: Wow. Gosh, that could um, add up to a pretty penny. Mm. Um,
3: Yeah. So is holiday paid on commissions as well.
1: Yeah, so there's, like anything to do with the Holidays Act, uh, there's some complicated formulas, but the general rule is that it includes any regular payments that you receive. So it will really depend on how those uh, commissions are classified, but certainly something that it sounds like it's worth her looking into that further. Um, Yeah.
3: Well, I think it's regular. She gets um, gets told what sales she's brought in monthly and then gets a commission based on those um, monthly sales. So she would have had 12 commission payments throughout each year and as I say, it's about five years worth.
1: Wow! Yeah, definitely worth her looking into that. And um, who knows, she could be uh, she could be getting a bit of a payment there.
3: Yeah. So that is the general principle that um, commissions are added unless they're irregular.
1: Yes, that's the general rule.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Gareth. All the, all the best. Very good. Good question, John. Gareth, I'm a dairy farmer and won my unfair dismissal case against my former employer just recently. The ERA awarded costs of the day, so he is to pay that as well. My question is, why is it up to me to chase all the money owed? Like I just had to pay $200 for a bailiff, yet part of the money is for the Employment Relations Authority.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is, this is one of those things. It's, it's just like if someone owes you a debt, uh, you have to take recovery action and you may be able to claim the costs of that recovery action from the person. Sometimes it does get a little bit circular where uh, someone gets a judgment in their favour and then they have to issue debt recovery proceedings mm. to, to get that and then they have to try and recover the costs of that and on and on and on. It's an mm. imperfect system, but that's the system we've got. Um, Mm. so that's
2: tricky here's a doozy Gareth can you verbally tell an employee to keep their pay to themselves and if so can you discipline them if they tell another employee how much they earn
1: Um, generally no unless unless there's a provision in the contract that makes those pay details confidential Mm. um you would have to be able to establish that that's a fair and reasonable instruction. Now, mm-hmm. if there's nothing in my contract that says I I earn the minimum wage, um, I'd be struggling to think of a reason why you could require me not to tell someone else that. Right. Okay.
0: Gareth, a couple more questions, and uh, and then we'll have to leave it. But this one says, Gareth, I have an employee who wants to cash up more than one week's holiday pay. So the employee wants to cash out more than one week's holiday pay. I'm happy for this too, but the law says only one per year. We're planning to go ahead and cash up about three weeks, assuming no one will check up on it. That's wise. (laughs) Don't do that. No, No, no. that's not
1: wise. And (laughs) and guaranteed, um, and I've seen this happen quite a bit, and often employers do this uh, as a favour or to help the employee out, Mm. and it always Mm. comes back to bite them in the behind. Don't do it. Who would end up paying then? Uh, Generally the employer will will then have to dig deep twice. So, yeah, don't do it.
2: Right, another texter here saying, Hi Gareth, I was employed nearly three years ago with a contract that stated the expected hours were 15 to 20 hours a week. Since then the job has grown. I've been involved in multiple system changes that have required me working close to full-time hours for the last two years. Nothing in writing is a ver- variation of contract, but it has been readily accepted by both the, my employer and me. Now there's a mention of my original contract hours, but would my close to 40 hours a week for majority of the last two years now be accepted as my normal hours?
1: I think this person's got a very good argument that there has been a variation through conduct mm. and they can rely on those those new hours I think the employer would be on pretty shaky ground to try and argue that it's 15 to 20 if they've been working 40 for for 2 years. Good. Okay.
0: Gareth, you're brilliant. I don't know how that head of yours <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Well, it's minute
1: R- compliments <laughs> like that.
0: Retains all this information around employment law. It's a, just such a mammoth mammoth job, but mate, we really appreciate you always. Thank you for coming in.
1: Oh, my pleasure.